Tonight, I want to just share briefly with you out of Colossians, and we're going to get to the Scripture in a minute, but I also want to just, by the nature of where we are and the time of year that we are, just kind of reflect on the the remembrance and what we're doing here, Um, what Memorial Day looks like for real. Did you know that in 2000, the year 2000, um, it was mandated that all Americans would stop at a memorial and have a moment of silence at 3 p.m. on Memorial Day to remember those fallen in battle protecting our freedom? I didn't know that, so I'm telling you all now. So if you're at 3 o'clock tomorrow doing something else, shame on you. So you're technically breaking the law, I guess, but... but it's interesting that we have to take these times sometimes to reflect on the price that was paid to get here. And, and really, the, my message tonight is that true freedom isn't free. True freedom is never free. It doesn't come just uh, as being given. It comes at some kind of a cost. I know um, when talking to people uh, about our country at different points. There's a lot of opinions flying around right now, right? Big political stuff flying around. And whatever position you take or whatever rally you choose to go to or whatever uh, place you're at with, it, with your whole governmental picture, what I will tell you is be still and know that He is God. You don't have to get all worked up. I have uh, a, a guy that I really enjoy, one of our pastors um, in America. He's cool. His name's Andy Stanley. He put out a video uh, or preached on a sermon on Sunday, and, and uh, they put it all over Facebook. So a bunch of you have probably seen it because you love Facebook. But um, one of the videos, he just said, okay, for all of you who are stuck on Fox News and CNN and you're scanning everything and you're totally freaked out about who's going to be our next president and what this is, and you know that everything's hanging in the balance and there's so many things, and there truly are, he said, just remember, stop scaring the children. Because the young ones, the millennials, the ones coming up, sometimes they get freaked out. Like, you're like, the sky is falling. And it could be really bad. But at the end of it, the Bible says, back in the day, when there was a king named Nebuchadnezzar. And he was a horrible, no good, very bad guy. So much so that God sent him and made him crazy for a season. And there was one thing that brought King Nebuchadnezzar back to his mind and his place. It says that when I looked up, this is from King Nebuchadnezzar speaking, when I looked up and I realized that God is sovereign over all the kingdoms of men and he gives them to whomever he wishes, then my mind and my heart came back to me and I began to know the true God. And here is the the picture for us, that God is sovereign. Does it mean we don't vote? No. Vote. Do your thing. Does it mean we don't have strong opinion? No. It means be active, be involved. But at the end of the day, God is sovereign over all the kingdoms of men. And he gives them to whomever he wishes. And he will sustain his people. And he will maintain faith and truth and righteousness by his mighty hand. A few weeks ago, 
I shared about the Roman government and the, the legacy that they had, just as this, this Rome, this big, hulking, thousand years of rule that Rome had. And year after year, generation after generation, they tried to stomp out Christianity, and they could not do it. Every time they would crush and oppress and break and torture and tempt and try to turn aside, it seemed like the gospel would just continue to flourish more and more and more and more and go out. And I want us to be encouraged. On this Memorial Day, ladies and gentlemen, we are standing on the shoulders of giants. We come after some people who paid a great price for us to enjoy our freedoms. Okay, so think about this. Enjoying our freedoms. Did you know that this weekend uh, there will be 3.75 million people traveling this weekend to go somewhere more than 50 miles away from their home? Thank you. My in-laws are here. They came from Southern California. Grateful for that, right? But, but think about this. By the end of summer, 82% of America will have gotten in a vehicle, gotten on a plane, train, or automobile, and traveled somewhere in three months. 82% of all of America will have traveled somewhere to do something. Now, even further, did you know that tomorrow, the most hot dogs will be consumed of any single day in the United States of America. Crazy, right? From Memorial Day until Labor Day, 818 hot dogs per second will be consumed by Americans, leading us to a total of 7 billion hot dogs being consumed from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Three months. Very exciting. Proud of America for that one. Just another fact for you, uh, the average uh, uh, sales within grocery stores, just grocery stores, of hot dogs, $2.5 billion a year. So if any of you want to get into some kosher hot dog ministry, we can hook that up, right? Um, some of you are like, dude, that's mostly my house, what we do, right? Um, but I, I just started thinking of some of the things that go through there. Then, then I started going on the side of, of 62% of America will find a barbecue and cook on it tomorrow. That's weird, right? Like that we all rally around these big things. And a lot of what we rally around in America is comfort and the relaxation and all that kind of stuff. So I, I was talking, I met a new friend tonight. I said, what are you guys doing tomorrow for Memorial Day? He said, sleeping in. How many of you are going to try and sleep in tomorrow? Anyone? Okay. I will be joining you just so you know. All right. I like the two hands. Thank you very much. But, but a lot of us, it's kind of like, hey, let's sleep Let's barbecue. Let's lay at a pool somewhere. I'm hoping to do away with a terrible softball sock tan that I've got going on right now. Um, I'm going to work on some things. I got to do some, you know, taking care of myself, right? Uh, I got to get in the sun, got to enjoy the day, got to pet my ducks. I don't know what we're going to do out there. But it's all about just having that time, that comfort, that place. In America, there's a high, high value on that. And we place a really big value on our freedoms. How often 
Do we hear ourselves or hear uh, even conversations about the freedoms that we enjoy and the freedoms that we deserve and what is due us? A lot of the whole political rally and the political scene is, is you should have this. We should get this. You should be given this. And our ears love that kind of conversation. We love to hear what we should be given. And we love that there's freedom in the balance. And we love that we should be receiving. At what cost? There's always a cost. On some of these things, it's been funny to watch and and listen. Because you hear these people with these great great plans. Like, I kind of picture the whole uh, uh, government election scene kind of like when you're in elementary school and you get that one super cool kid who's going to run for president of the school or whatever, and he promises everybody Monday morning Sprite will be in the water fountains, right? Like, you're, you're thinking, there's no way that this can happen. If I'm the president, I'm going to make this happen. And there's a lot of those things where we come out and we make these big, brash, bold, this is how I'm going to fix things, this is what I'm going to do, this is how I'm going to get it set. And then we get in there and there's a reality that hits, is we live in a place where everybody's out to get their own for the most part. We live in, a, in communities where it's more about me than about we. We live in, in a society where it's definitely more about me than it is we. And that's why the church has to look different. Our call as the people of God is to recognize that freedom is never free. It comes as a great, at a great cost and with, with great responsibility. On the flip side of the fun things we'll enjoy... Think about this. The uh, Civil War was actually what, what, what pushed the uh, Memorial Day experience for us. The, the first Memorial Day was actually uh, held in Waterloo, New York, and it was called Decoration Day. And it was an actual day where they stopped to remember the loss of life, the single bloodiest uh, battles and, and war that has been fought on American soil. In the Civil War, 620,000 troops, military people. That's just military. 620,000 people died in the Civil War. That deserves a pretty solemn and sobering remembrance. And among that, the the Union soldiers lost 365,000 and 260,000 were lost on the Confederate side. And so they said, we need to stop and we need to remember what brought us to this place. And now that we're unified and now that we're marching ahead together, we must never forget. And then they began to embark on this journey where they look back at all of the important things that had been done. I've got a whole bunch of statistics from that, but I don't want to quote them all. But the big point is that over 42 million veterans have served our country during wartime. 1.3 million have lost their lives uh, in recent conflicts. That's, that's beyond the Civil War. 260,000 graves are held at Arlington National Cemetery, and every single day another 30 are added. That's a lot of people that we stand on the shoulders of to get the things and have the conversations that we have. 
And it's so very important and very sobering for us to stop and recognize that my ability to eat mass quantities of hot dogs and hang out in the sun and worry about sock tans is on the backs of somebody who gave their life for my freedom. It's a very familiar story. <laughs> it's not a new one. And if, you're at, if you've been at church, you're like, oh, I know where you're going with this, right? Preacher guy, you, Right? But, but we, we want to look into the Scripture here. I'm going to just go into Colossians chapter 1, and we're only going to take a couple verses, verses 15 through 17. When Cindy and I originally talked, I gave her a whole bunch more verses, and then I narrowed it down to this because there was way too much to try and share in, in the rest of this. But I want to read this. This is Colossians 1, 15 through 17. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. Now, I explained last week that Colossians is a lot of raising up and reminding people who and what this is really all about. The Colossian church is a group of people that Paul had not had a chance to go and meet with yet. He knew this was a started church and it grew up and they've got some great people that he named in the first part of the chapter that he says, I know they're doing a good work, but I still have a longing to come and visit you. And then in the first few verses, he also challenged them. Now don't stop growing. You're doing some great things, but, but make God known and, and get to know him better every day. Don't stop growing. Don't get complacent in your faith. And so that was a lot of the challenge last week. And how do you glorify God? How do you bring glory to his name? That was one of the conversations and stuck out to July. Thank you very much. I saw her sticky note. It really does work. And here's one of the things for us is to remember that even in this upstart church, this, this new work that Paul had yet to see, he had already seen the tendency to get relaxed. I gave a lot of uh, metaphors and illustrations, but think about this. How many of you have ever bought a new car before? New cars? Anyone? Okay. Lots of new cars. Some of you are like, that day will come eventually. Right? Some of you would never buy a new car. You just got $10,000 off the lot, right? So, okay, so against all sensibility, a new car is nice. One of my favorite things about a new car is sitting in a new car. <sighs> it smells good, right? The feel of the seats, like they're not all worn down. Although I do like later on when it perfectly forms to my butt. I, I do like that feeling, though, of kind of like, oh, this is fresh, this is clean. Cindy, I, I, I bought her, we bought, we bought, you probably bought, I don't know. We got a new car. So, and uh, not recently, don't go looking, it's not out there. And uh, it's, uh, it, it was a big, beautiful car, we love it, it's great, it's like a tank on wheels, which is awesome for my wife and her children to be safe in. And they're my children too, just to clarify. 
And I remember the first day, uh, we had only had it a couple weeks, and I went to a meeting for softball, and Cindy came with me, and we came out, and somebody had put a dent in our new car. I wasn't just angry, like, I was, I was pissed. <laughs> like, like it, I took on a whole nother persona. I'm looking around, like, we're in downtown Visalia, but I am like, I'm going to find the dent makers, right? I am very upset, and I'm getting in the car, and Cindy's like, Jeff, your head's like, like red and stuff. I'm like, it's always red. That's just how I roll. But, but the bigger thing was I was on a mission. Like, I can't believe this. How did this happen, right? Flash forward a little bit. Um, I go to the car wash because we got one of those super cool like recurring things where you pay and then you can go get your car washed as many times as you can. And now um, I get to suck out all the French fries that are hidden down that look perfectly like the ones you bought from the store, but they're like really old, <laughs> right? So we shouldn't eat that stuff, but it's good. So um, I'm sucking those out and I'm finding trash. My kids leave them in the door holders. I don't know if your kids do that, but they eat something and leave all the trash in the door holders. Very frustrating, right? But it's all these things. All of a sudden, this car that was like, Maha! awesome, had turned into a place that was basically another trash receptacle for our house. And it started with the dent, and I was so angry at the dent. You know how many more dents we've gotten? Like, a bunch. And over time, finally, we got hit by a baseball at a game, right? Boom, there it is. I walked out, I was like, ah, baseball dent. All right, let's get in the car and go, guys. I don't know, maybe we'll make it by the dent doctor later on some other year, right? But it's one of those things, it loses its flavor. It loses its coolness after a certain point. It, it loses the smell. In fact, other smells take place, and you're like, Ugh, right? And you put in those little disky things, and it says this is the new car smell. Not the new car smell, right? But we try. And here's what Paul was continuing to tell the church. You got this new car. Don't let it just become something that you have. You've got this new faith and a new church. Don't let it just become something. No, no, no. Hold on to it. Let the flame grow. Let me work inside of you and let that be projected out to the world. And then he comes to this place where he's reminding us who we're standing on. This isn't just a new car. This is the king of the universe. This is God of all. This is the Lord and Master. This is the King of glory. This is Jesus we're talking about. The image of the invisible God. Don't forget that we're standing on the shoulders of giants. That you and I on our very best day, in all of our freedoms, in all of our joy, in all of our exercise of worship, Without Christ, it is nothing. Us on our best day are still nothing without the presence of the Almighty God and the image of His Son reflected in our lives and our hearts. We try and we strive. But compared to His glory, there is nothing. 
So we go about our day. We go about our business. We, we live and we do church and we have a good time and we love one another and we share and, and we eat meals together, which please stay. I'm going to say it again because it's awesome and we have a great time. But at the end of all of these things, if it is not about Jesus, we have missed the point. Because, because we are standing on the promise of a God who has chosen us. Romans 1.25 says this, and I've got it for the screen as well as soon as we get there. Did I put it on there? Yeah, there it is. It says, They traded the truth about God for a lie, and so they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. It's this idea. Let's say you love... I'm, I'm going to go classic rock on us right here, right now. Like, super classic. We're going to go to Beatles, right? Originals. Let's say you love the Beatles. Beatles, ah, oh, she loves me, yeah, yeah. I mean, the mop top, the whole thing. You love it. And all your life, you've grown up listening to this, kind of like I have. You have this music that kind of has saturated and set the pace for music to come, although nothing on the CM, GMAs or whatever last week sounded like anything that the Beatles would have done, but okay. But imagine you have this passion and love for this music, and then... Somebody says, you're going to get to meet Paul McCartney. And you go meet him, and you're like, totally not cool. You don't care. It's no big deal. You know what? I don't need to meet Paul McCartney. I just need to sit and put my headphones on and listen to my iTunes with the whole album. What we do is we love the creation, and we miss the creator. And in our world, we do this a lot. We love the, the byproduct of being followers of Christ. And yet we lose a passion for Christ himself and the word itself. It says here, they traded the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served the images and the things that were created instead of the creator himself. And so church, this would be the heart's cry of Paul for her, his church my cry for us as a body of believers in the wake of Memorial Day, let us not stop sharing in the wonder of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us not forget the Creator Himself, the, the, the God of the universe as our strength and our authority, and not place creation and comfort above our love and service of the King of glory. That's our challenge. It was the challenge to the church in Colossae from very, very long ago, and it's our challenge even now. That idea that it's so easy to lose the picture in your head, so easy to lose the focus, so easy to let the things around us take control and run our worship. And God says, I just want you. I'll give you all the stuff, but I just want you. That's my prime thing. That's what gives me glory. That's what gives me joy, is to have you. There's a verse that my mom made us learn, and I say made us learn because 
now I'm realizing that my mom had to work a whole lot harder than I ever thought she did to get three boys to do the things that she got us to do, right? And, and one of the things that she made us do was quote scripture to her or read verses and learn them uh, every morning before we left for school. All the way through high school, we did this. And uh, I remember one of the very first verses and kind of one of our go-tos that we would go to if we ever, you know, like didn't have time or we were running out of time and we'd say it really fast. So it wasn't like this holy, like, come before your mother and speak words. You know, it was nothing like that. It was like, hey, have you quoted your verse? And I'd be like, hey, blah, 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 and we'd quote it out and then we'd run out the door. Okay. So just so you know, you're not picturing us in papal robes or something. All right. So, so as we would leave the house, I remember yelling out, hey, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Have a good day. And we'd run out the door. But how true. And it sits in my heart, it sits in my soul, and, and a lot of times when we get ready to make decisions, that comes back to my head. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the other stuff will get added. And that's just another picture of what Paul is saying to this church and saying to his people. Hey, seek me first. Put me first. Come after me. Come hard after me. Let my word dwell in you richly. And all the other things will come as a byproduct of my glory resting on your life. So as we wrap up, that's, that's my thought for the night. That's, that's the God's thought for the night, actually. I want us to remember just a couple of things. One is that the price for our freedom in this country costs a lot of people a lot of things. So tomorrow when you celebrate and you eat 818 hot dogs a second or whatever you're trying to keep up with, right? Do your best to find a place and to stop and remember the price. And then on top of that, and above that, and superseding that, would you let tomorrow be a moment where you stop? And maybe as an individual, maybe as a family, maybe you're at a family function and you get to be all like pastorly with them. I don't know. Tell everybody to put down their frosty beverage. Hold on. Because we want to remember, remember the one who paid the greatest price. That's really the shoulders we stand on. And that's our hope. And that's our strength. God has prospered this nation. For what reason, I do not know. But he has chosen for this nation to be prospered. And in that, I am grateful and I am thankful and I don't ever want to take it for granted. But in all things, there are beginnings and ends. My hope chooses to be in the Lord and Him first. Then all these things will be added to us. God, sustain us as a nation and a country, but let us never lose sight of the King of Majesty. Let's pray together. God, I thank You for this night, and I thank You for Your willingness to send Your Son to pay the price for us. And I know, that, God, I almost, I almost feel bad at times rehashing this over and over and over and, 
And yet this is the story that sustains. And so, Lord, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for your faithfulness, your enduring faithfulness. For when we were in the middle of sinning, when we were in the middle of taking our view off of you, when we were in the middle of our most broken of broken moments, you were in the business of rescuing us. Thank you for the gift of your Son, Thank you for the prospering of your people. Father, tonight we come before you just in humility. And we come before you just asking, Lord, would your kingdom come and your will be done among us? Would you help us to see an accurate picture of you, but would you even more help us to portray an accurate glimpse of your glory? To the world that so desperately needs your truth. Father, your presence is what we desire. And so, God, we lift you up as the first and foremost, as, as the greatest of all. We thank you for the gift of your Son, who is the image of the invisible God, who puts kingdoms and powers in their places, and who holds all things in his hands. Father, we ask in Jesus' name, would you sustain us? Would you give us hope? Would you give us some glimpse of your presence as we go into this week? So before I wrap us up in this time of prayer, I'd just like you, with with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I really feel like it's just so important that we take a moment to respond to God where we are at. In our own way, you can listen to a prayer or you can kind of go along with whatever, but there's something about calling out to God in your own way. So if you're here tonight and one, you've never chosen to make God king of your life, I would encourage you, he already created the universe. You can trust him with your life. The way we do that here is is simply just to give you a moment to say in your own heart, in your own way, God, I am sorry for trying to run my life. I've made a lot of mistakes and I need your forgiveness. Would you be God of my life? Would you take over? I trust in the gift of your son. And for those of us who've already made that statement of faith and come to the Lord and and recognize our place before him, this would be my challenge to you. If the Lord has put something on your heart tonight, just in the reading of the message or or just in the hearing of, of, of the celebrating of the weekend or whatever, would you just commit those things, whatever he's put on your heart, just begin to share with him the places that you're being encouraged to move. That's the way God speaks to us. But as well, I'd encourage you to pray and ask God to continue to kindle a fire in your heart. We sang that song, set a fire in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more. I want more. I want more. Would you ask God to give you the Holy Spirit boldness push hard after him. 
whatever it is you're praying, would you just take it to the Lord in these moments of silence, in these moments while we're just still and know that he is God. you are good and we are grateful in Jesus name Amen